Yay, we're in a new month. We have a new theme. We have a new theme. I love it. And our new theme for July is uh, speaking truth to circumstances. Speaking truth to circumstance. Hard to say. But we've, we know that, right? We know truth and we know those um, speaking truth to power. We know it as that. We know it as telling it like it is, right? You know, those times where we, where we stand in our truth and we speak it out loud regardless of who's around, regardless of whether or not our knees are shaking, we speak our truth because that's how we stand in our power. So I was looking at the word truth, and it says universal truth implies widely accepted facts which do not change over time, circumstance, location, etc. Right? Conforming with reality. That's how, they, that's how they define truth. Now, I found the oldest, the oldest description that I found for the word truth says, it is the quality or state of being faithful. Isn't that interesting? Quality or state of being faithful. So, in other words, if something is true, it is faithful to reality. Right? That's how they described it. It is never changing. And <clears throat> Ernest Holmes said this about truth. He said, self-realization comes to us not by antagonizing or fighting other people's way of believing, not by struggle or by strife, but by recognition. That is by knowing truth, by alignment with the nature of reality, which is wholeness and unity, goodness and beauty. This is what standing in our truth is then, standing in those uh, principles of our faith philosophy and standing in the qualities of God that we know have no opposite, beauty and wholeness and truth. And when we stand in those, we are standing in our truth. So examples of truth. The sun rises in the east and it sets in the west. I don't think it's going to change anytime soon, right? Uh, the earth is revolving around the sun. We know this to be true. Now, examples of what was quote-unquote true, but basically turned out to be proven otherwise is, well, the earth is flat. How many years have humans thought the earth is flat? There's a couple of people running around today, I think, that still believe that. A little weird. Yeah, well, because here, here's my reasoning. If the earth really were flat, all the cats on earth would have pushed everything off the edge by now. <laughs> Am I right? We know the earth is round. Even when we believe something to be truth, if it's not true, it's not true, regardless of what we believe about it. We used to think it was true, but we learned. Science frees us from false beliefs, right? So facts can be truth, or they can merely be the greatest knowledge of the time, right? And that may change. There are some things that we, we accept as truth today that may change over time. We can accept it as truth, but is it truly true, right? Um, my thought is, um, what about the poles? What about the poles in the earth, north and south pole, right? There's one down there, there's one up there. They think about it, think about it as a magnetic rod through the earth, right? North pole is a magnetic and south pole is magnetic. Now, there is also geographic north and there is magnetic north. There are two poles, that's truth also. Now, the thing about the magnetic north is it's traveling all over the place. 
I don't know if you noticed lately, well, I don't know that you would notice, but the magnetic North Pole has casually wandered 685 miles across northern Canada. Why? Who knows? Now, right now, it's racing 25 miles a year to the northwest. It's moving as we speak. And we are overdue for a pole flip. Have you read about the history of those, right? Of the polar flips? The last one happened 780,000 years ago. Well, so we're due. Well, because, <laughs> because the polar flips have happened before that, they happen usually around every 300,000 years or so. So we're like really overdue for a polar flip. And it won't be good. It will not be good. I, think about all the GPS failing all at once. It's kind of going to be like that. And in the past, we have had four poles, magnetic poles on Earth. We had six. There was a time in the Earth's history we had eight, right? The more the merrier? I don't know. But these places where energy gathers because of the magnetic energy. But they don't stay still. We think they do. In our lifetime, they probably will. But my, my point is, I do have a point. <laughs> my point is, a lot of these things we think of as truth, that they are eternal, they're not. They are sort of, you know, maybe in the life of a human they are, but they're just facts. And facts change. And conditions change. But what about spiritual truth? Because that's what we're here to discuss, right? That's what we're here to learn and to practice in our own lives. Well, what about spiritual truth? The first core concept of our faith tradition is God is all there is, right? We heard Paul pray, God is all there is, so beautifully. We hear James and the celebration singers sing so beautifully about God being our source and supply, the only thing that exists. That is the cornerstone of our faith philosophy is that there is only God, and there is no opposite to that. When we say God is all there is, we understand that. We know that. We recognize that as truth. There is no power opposing God. There is no devil running around, no menacing power opposed to good. You know, people like to blame the devil, don't they? We've heard that all throughout our whole lives, right? People get lured to the dark side, you know. <laughs> Forgive me, you know, the devil led me astray, blah, blah, blah. Okay. <laughs> I was going to say, you know what that is, right? You know what that is. It's people not taking responsibility for their own decisions and blaming this higher power on whatever it is that they chose to do. Their own, like I would say, less than skilled behavior and then blaming it on this superpower, right? It's sort of like the devil is running around the earth like Darth Vader. Come to the dark side, Luke. You know, we have ice cream here. I don't know. I don't know. But it's all superstition and duality, and it does not exist, right? We say God is all there is. We mean it. God is all there is. God is the only power and presence in the universe. That's it. That's all there is. And those qualities of God, goodness and love and, and abundance and joy and beauty and balance and unity and wholeness, and wisdom and peace, all of them, they are powers to which there are no opposites. Now, we can experience what we call opposites on earth, don't we? You know, uh, but if we look at all of those qualities as existing on a continuum, God is love. That's all there is, is love. We call the very, 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 very least of love that experience is called hate, right? But it's not 
but it, it's not a dual world. We don't live in a dual world. It is just the least amount of love that someone is exhibiting or experiencing, and we call it something else. But God is the place where there are no opposites, so it's all love. A little, a lot, how much do you want to experience? How much do you declare you are free to experience? And that's what our faith philosophy believes. God is all there is. There's nothing else. So for me, truth is God, energy, spirit, higher power, first cause, whatever you want to call it, is all there is. There is a unity. That is the only thing that exists in the universe. It's the only thing that exists within my body. It is the only thing that exists within everybody. God is all there is, and God is love. Now, here's where science proves religious science, or the science of mind and spirit. Once I was reading an article about quantum, quantum mechanics, and quantum mechanics states the universe is made up of space. I love that. Filled with fields of vibration, interconnected, unified, and in constant communication, where distance and time are of no consequence where one part of the universe moves connected and in relationship with another part, and everything in between is a grand movement or dance held in space. Isn't that lovely? And it goes on to say, in truth then, our lives and indeed everything in the entire universe is not only all connected, but connected with no separation. Ta-da! Science proves science of mind and spirit, right? Ernest Holmes said this about our faith philosophy. He said, it is a correlation of the laws of science, the opinions of philosophy, and the revelations of religion as applied to human needs and aspirations of humanity. There we go. And we get to prove the other core concepts, don't we? When we start with that that truth. When we start with God is all there is, there cannot be anything else operating, opposing my word or my will. We get to prove the other core concepts, that, that this energy has aspects to it, that it can, it can receive the impress of our thought, of our most predominant thought, that it can go to work out picturing conditions in our lives. We get to prove core concept two the triune nature of God. We get to prove core concept four, the power of prayer to change things in our lives. We prove them by trying them out, by using them. You know, science starts with a hypothesis, right? So let's, let's say that, that religious science is ours. And then we test that. Then we prove that. And when we prove it over and over, when this works for us over and over, you know how each time when you do a prayer, when you set an intention and it, and it manifests in your life, you go, aha, I proved it. I proved the principle once again. I proved the principle once again. So this is how it becomes a theory, right? Like the theory of evolution or the theory of gravity or the theory of electricity, right? Then it becomes a principle, doesn't it? When you prove it to yourself over and over and over and over again, you go, aha, this stuff works. <laughs> we prove them by testing them always. Like Ernest Holmes said to the graduating class of practitioners back in 19, I don't remember the date. Nan, do you remember the date? I don't remember which one it was. But it was one of the, one of the speeches he gave to the practitioners at graduation. And he said, now that you've learned everything that the book has to teach you, throw the book out the window. <laughs> and prove the principles to yourself. 
prove that this philosophy works. And then he said in How to Change Your Life, he said, mingled with the voice of humanity is the word of God, for truth is a synonym of God. And whoever speaks truth speaks God. I'm kind of flaking out here, but it's, don't worry about it. Whoever speaks truth speaks the word of God. This is the third part of our affirmative prayer, isn't it? The first part, we recognize that God is all there is. We must start there, that there is no exceptions. No exceptions anywhere. God is all there is. God is the only energy in the universe. And then we move to, I am part of that. I'm part of that energy of the universe because I exist. I'm here. The energy in me is the energy of the universe, is the energy of God. And then we get to the third step. I know and accept. I affirm. Whatever it is we're praying. That affirmation step, that realization step is speaking our word. And the universe reorders itself in accordance, right? The, the, the conditions change to outpicture a new reality. And sometimes, sometimes we pray, and what happens? A whole lot of nothing happens. Did you ever have that experience where sometimes you pray and a whole lot of nothing happens, and you're like, you know, it's okay, well, God's, it's God's timing, it's this, it's that. Sometimes it is, absolutely. Sometimes it's logistics. But sometimes our affirmative prayers don't work because God doesn't work in a lie. And sometimes our prayer is a lie. Sometimes we are not speaking truth. And spirit cannot outpicture lies. So back then, and we have to look at our words. Are we speaking truth? Are we speaking love? Are we speaking joy? Are we speaking abundance? Are we speaking in alignment with truth? Because that's our part of this thing, is to stand in our truth all the time, to stand in those qualities of God, to know for ourselves right? Because here's the thing, when you're praying, a lot of times, you know, we're praying denials or we're praying changes of conditions, but we're not in that higher state of consciousness. We're not praying qualities of God. We're not praying principle. We're praying, I got this job I hate. I want this job over here, right? That's just conditions. We're just praying conditions. We're just changing conditions. And who was it years and years ago who said that's kind of like rearranging the deck chairs on the Titanic, you know? might change the scenery a little bit, but that sucker's still going down, you know. <laughs> it's changing conditions. What we want to do is we want to know truth. We want to know truth. We want to pray from truth. And when we're praying from truth, truth flows, right? When we're praying from the level of condition, whatever, right? That's what we're talking about. We must be aligned with spiritual principles, not afraid and not timid to speak out our absolute highest truth, we know the truth for ourselves all the time. And I love that this is 4th of July weekend because, look, over uh, 247 years ago, a bunch of people got together and spoke out truth, didn't they? That was a lovely thing, you know. They broke up with England. <laughs> and we're never, 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 ever getting back together again. <laughs> we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. Well, you know, that was the time... It should have said all white land-owning men are created equal, because that's really what they meant. All men are created equal, and that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Now, 
The Declaration of Independence was written in 1776. The Constitution was crafted September 1787. So it took a little couple of years, right, with 39 of the 55 delegates signing on. And the states then, or the little, you know, the little groups of people that they were, were they called states then? I don't know. But they started signing on to ratify it. So Delaware was the first to sign on December 7th of uh, 1787. Congress was established, I mean, Congress established that March 9th of 1787, the date to begin operating under that constitution. That was March of 89, 1789. Now, it didn't even take a year for James Madison to introduce 12 amendments to the Constitution. By the end of 1789, they, we were already changing it, right? We just wrote the darn thing, and they're already proposing that we change it. And James Madison introduced 12 amendments to the Constitution. Now, today we know them as 10 amendments to the Constitution, and they're it's called the Bill of Rights. But back then, he introduced 12. Okay, so one they threw out right away because they didn't like it, I guess. But the other one, the 12th Amendment, it, it finally did get passed in 1992. <laughs> I love it. It became the 27th Amendment and the last one that um, we have voted on so far. And it was about congressional pay. Of course, it's about their money. Anyway, so the document was brand new. It was brand new and it was already being changed. So truth as they knew it, was already evolving, had to do with conditions. It had to do with conditions. So is it truth or is it just changing conditions? Well, they were changing conditions. And we know this because we do it all the time in our own lives, don't we? We change the conditions through our prayer, through our setting of intentions. We know conditions will change all the time and they will continue to change. The Constitution changed, things change. We must recognize truth that which is eternal, and align with it. We have to align with it. And then it outpictures in our lives. It outpictures as changed conditions. It outpictures as things happening differently. It, it outpictures as a higher way of being in the world. Look, I'm not going to fight against gravity. <laughs> Even if I could, it wouldn't work, right? I would lose. I am not going to insist that the sun rise in the west. I'm not going to insist that. I'm not going to pray that. It goes against the natural order. I am not going to believe that there is any power opposed to spirit. Doesn't, doesn't exist. It is a no thing. I'm aligned with spiritual principle, and when we know that, and we release all of the false beliefs, we allow that to flow through us. And it does flow through us and change conditions. Principles, principles like the, right, the vibrational energy that we have, principles like the law of attraction or compensation or polarity or, or correspondence, inspired action, the power of prayer, cause and effect, relativity, perpetual transmutation of energy, right? Energy can neither be created nor destroyed. It simply changes form. That's what we do. We just keep changing form. So all of these things, we align with them for our highest good. We allow them to flow through us. We prove the principles every day by using them. 
and allowing them to flow through us and change our lives for the better. And Ernest Holmes said this. In conclusion, don't you love that when they start with that? <laughs> oh, God, they're getting done. Okay. <laughs> In conclusion, I love this. What the world needs is spiritual conviction followed by spiritual experience. The practice of truth is personal to each. And in the long run, no one can live our life for us. To hold one's thought steadfastly to the constructive, to that which endures, to truth may not be easy in this rapidly changing world. But to the one who makes the greatest attempt, much is guaranteed. This is why we get together, to remind ourselves and to remind each other of truth. This is why we get together. This is why we come to vision. This is why we have small groups. This is why we get together throughout the week in different ways and different forms, to remind ourselves of the truth. Just in case we forget it, we remind ourselves of truth. God is all there is. It is whole, perfect, and complete. And we are an outpicturing of that, so we are whole, perfect, and complete. And we get to choose our experiences and change the conditions of our lives through the practice of the presence of God.